You are listening to the Tech Chef Podcast, episode number 42, March 2nd, 2021. This show is produced in partnership with Hospitality Technology and Restaurant Technology Network. Smarter hotels, smarter restaurants. Hi, this is Karen Bird. I'm the Chief Information Officer for Hooters of America, and you're listening to Skip on the Tech Chef Podcast. Strategy, business continuity. How about a taste test of restaurant technology? Drive through or curbside, mobile apps or AI. It's all on the menu. Cooking up for the day. It's a recipe for success. You're in good hands with a tech chef. Make a plan to be your best. Strategize with the tech chef. It's that time of the week again, a time for another dose of The Tech Chef. This is your host, Skip Kimball, bringing you another weekly show about the restaurant, hotel, and hospitality industry. The spin is that it is geared towards the technology side of topics, but we all know tech has become the driving force of almost all of the new revenue streams and has become table stakes when it comes down to strategic growth. That is why I am so passionate about sharing with all of you the latest and greatest news, trending technologies, and trending superstars of our industries. Before we get into our main show, I don't know if you saw it this week, but the National Restaurant Association decided to postpone their show yet again. This means that the soonest they will be getting together as a conference will be 2022. Who would have guessed that one year ago? Oh my goodness. And on the flip side, living here in Orlando, White Castle is in the process of building their largest castle. And before they open, they decided to launch a ghost kitchen to feed the need of everybody craving their food. In just a few hours of opening that ghost kitchen, they had to shut it down due to demand. A few days later, they opened it up again only to decide to permanently close it down until their restaurant fully opens. They are going to kill it here in Orlando. We had Mike and Susan from White Castle on a couple of months ago, and again, they're both rock stars in the industry. Speaking of rock stars, I would like to continue that series with Karen Bird, Chief Information Officer for Hooters of America, who is accountable for the strategy and execution of technology systems and services for multiple brands and all functional areas within the company. She joined Hooters of America in 2017, but prior to that, Karen has worked in several prominent roles in her history within the restaurant industry, and if you don't know her background, I'm going to give her the opportunity to tell you a little bit more about that side of her life at the top of the interview. Karen currently serves on the board of the International Food and Beverage Technology Association, otherwise known as the IFBTA, and has previously served on the North Memorial Healthcare Foundation Board of Directors in Minnesota, the NCR Technology Advisory Board, and co-chaired the Franchisee Technology Subcommittee for Buffalo Wild Wings, North America. Buckle your seatbelts for the one and only Karen Bird. Well, thank you, Skip. Um, so I, I, 
some people may know, some may not know, uh, but I actually started out my career in high school um, working as an hourly employee in a Burger King restaurant. And um, I want to tell you that um, the manager that I had at the time was um, interested in me as a person in, in my career and actually helped me uh, launch my career uh, in the food service industry by assisting me in getting a job at the corporate office. And had it not been you know, for that person, I may not be sitting here today talking to all of you. Um, so literally, I started uh, working in accounting and finance at Burger King Corporation and then ended up work, you know, moving into technology and uh, haven't, haven't let the technology field since then. Um, worked for Burger King. I've worked for a group out of South Carolina at the time that was, uh, when I joined them, was Flagstar, ended up to be Advanica, and then uh, now is Denny's. Um, worked for Duncan Brands up in Boston and Brinker in uh, Texas. Uh, so a number of different restaurant companies, Buffalo Wild Wings, uh, before I came here to Hooters of America. And I will tell you, it's been a very uh, fulfilling uh, career. Uh, it has been, I tell you, totally exciting to work for the different brands. Every brand has, you know, a different um you know, model that they're working, whether they're QSR or family dining or, you know, that's uh, casual or casual. And it's just been, for me, it's been a lifelong experience in learning as well as, um, you know, being in a position to uh, run technology uh, for different organizations around the country. So um, that's a little bit about me. So it sounds like you've been in the restaurant industry from the beginning. And, you know, it is it is those leaders, I, you know, I, I know you said you started, you know, at, at the basic level of the restaurant industry, but, but I think that is so important, um, specifically from a technology leader or any leader of the company to understand every single aspect of the company and, um, you know, how it's, how it's interrelated with each other. Certainly with technology, that couldn't be more important, but do you find that, um, you know, through your, through your progress of your career, I mean, was technology, I mean, you didn't start in technology. Was technology always an interest to you or did you just kind of fall into that and then you just ran with it? Actually, you know, I think I, uh, I, I think the latter, I, I fell into it and I'll tell you where I fell into it. I was actually um, a supervisor heading up a region accounting office because at Burger King, because that at the time was, you know, their model. Um, they had region offices. And uh, I, there was mid-range computers in those re region offices, and I was, you know, really, really interested in them. And so since this location, this region office was in Miami, um, right across the street from the corporate office of Burger King, <laughs> um, they, um, you know, the, um, the IT group used our office as, you know, a test, a, a test office for all the, you know, software updates that were being done and sent out to all the other region offices. So they saw that I took an interest in it and they actually um, asked me if I wanted to come join the uh, technology team. So I did. And, you know, I, I went through a couple of different areas of IT. Um, I actually did software development for about a year and I said, ah, that's not for me. <laughs> you know, I just don't want to sit in front of a screen all day long um, and just work through various parts of the organization. So, um, you know, fell in love with it and, um, you know, and, you know, kept going. Through tech, you know, through the different uh, parts of the organization. I think I've worked in just about every single IT position, um, you know, that you can think of. And I think that also, I think the message to the group, you know, who's listening is that, 
you know, you can, you know, aspire to be a CIO, but I will tell you, moving laterally through an organization and learning the different functions and then moving up, that's been extremely helpful to me throughout my career because, you know, as you mentioned, I started in operations, and so I understand and love, you know, the, the support of the, you know, of all of our operational teams. But I will tell you, working through the various portions of the IT organization, it gives you a, a really good understanding of what your teams are having to do as well. So, um, so you know, if you have that opportunity to move laterally, do that. Learn the position, then move up. And I thought that's uh, really uh, helped me throughout my career. I think it's critical for IT to completely understand operations because at the end of the day, and I hate that terminology, my wife keeps saying, stop saying at the end of the day, but uh, it really is, uh, you know, we're trying to create efficiencies within the restaurant because at the end of the day, there you go again, it's a matter of, um, you know, making sure that the restaurants are as profitable as possible. And they're, they're running efficiently so that you can reduce labor costs, et cetera. And I really think that understanding of operations is probably one of the most critical factors for the success of IT within the organization. Because if you don't understand what the restaurant needs, you're going to have a very hard time implementing and selling and getting the buy-in from the operators in regards to why you're even trying to launch these initiatives. Oh, I wholeheartedly agree. And I will tell you, even um, when I onboard a new team member, no matter what organization it is that I work in, um, first thing they do, guess what? They get to go work in the restaurant before they start their IT job. Yep, exactly. I mean, quite honestly, if those restaurants didn't exist, guess what? Our jobs wouldn't exist. So, um, you know, that's, that's what we're here for. We're here to make sure that you know, they can do their job, which is, you know, running the restaurant and focusing on our guests and focusing on the team members and making sure that they're running as a team in the restaurant. They don't need to be dealing with, you know, technology problems. That's our job. You know, our job is to make it easier for them to do their job. Well, and I'm, I'm in full agreement in regards to new employees jumping in and actually working the line, you know, working, you know, every single aspect of, uh, back of house, front of house at a restaurant level, because, you know, if you're a technology leader, it's important for you to study what's going on, because obviously you were brought into a company to make changes and to make differences and to make the company better. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is to watch what's going on behind the scenes and then come up with ideas of, gosh, you know, this is, this is really inefficient to do things this way. What if we put up they're not using KDS. Let's put up a KDS system. Or, you know, what if we tweaked their their back of house and we had a dashboard where they could see live stats, et cetera. So I think it's really super important for any new IT individual coming into an organization to actually live in the seats of the operations, you know, at least for a short term, just to understand what's going on. Now, Karen, let me uh, kind of move on here a little bit. Now, I got to say, who doesn't know Hooters? I, I mean, honestly, um, how many locations actually do you have? I don't know the answer to that question. Well, we have um, about 420 locations today, and uh, that's split between company-operated and franchise restaurants. So we have 200 uh, company domestic restaurants. We probably have about 80 franchise domestic and then the restaurant international. Um, so pretty strong presence around the world in different countries. Um, as well as, um, you know, like I said, domestically here in the U.S. 
So that answered my next question. You're an international brand, which I did not realize. Um, that's that's kind of exciting. I mean, you've you know you've you've got a great reputation within the industry to have awesome wings, um, and you know it's it, it's a household name. Everybody knows who Hooters is. You are not unique in regards to the struggles that hit us last March. I I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I saw you at Mertech last March. Were you there? I was there, yes. That was the beginning, wasn't it? Oh, gosh, that was the beginning. I, I don't know if you remember, like, the last day we were having these pop-up, you know, discussions about what COVID meant. Of course, we had no idea what we were even talking yeah. about at that point. But everybody's yeah, flights were right. being canceled, and we were trying to rearrange everything. But, um, yeah, you, were, you and I were really at the nexus of... You know, we're sitting in Las Vegas, probably the the worst place you could be as far as transmissible um, diseases, because uh, you know all the the slot machines and everybody walking around and and talking whatever. But um, when we left there, I mean, we were basically in lockdown after ever since, which is which is crazy. So maybe you can talk about, um, you know, once you got back to the office, obviously, COVID affected every company in every state differently. How did Hooters handle the COVID challenge? You know, did you initiate any new technology? Um, did you put anything new in place? You know, maybe from a, um, a process perspective, what, what did you do to set up Hooters for success during COVID? Well, I have to tell you, Skip, I was very fortunate that for some unforeseen reason, we had actually, um, signed a new contract with our current vendor and uh, implemented a new phone system here at the office, which allowed our help desk and other people to work off, off, you know, off premise. Right. So for us, the transition to everybody working at home, because we actually closed the office, I think it was right around the 1st of April, um, maybe a little bit before that. And um, we had the office closed until, oh my gosh, I would say, um, middle of June, the first time around. So um, everybody worked remotely. We were able to transition everybody remotely. Most of our company was using laptops. And for those that didn't, we, we gave them laptops. Um, so from you know that perspective, um, we were very fortunate. The other piece was that for the, for the um, two years prior to COVID, we had actually been on the delivery service provider uh, journey, and we had already implemented, you know, tablets in all of our restaurants for just about every delivery service provider that, you know, could service a restaurant. So, I mean, literally one of our Cumberland location here, we had five tablets in that restaurant. Uh, not very operationally efficient, but, you know, it allowed us to do the delivery orders. So, for us, we were able to transition pretty quickly um, from in, you know, uh, to, you know, to sit down dining to pick up delivery and curbside only, because as you know, you know, most of the states shut down indoor dining um, effectively. And uh, we, um, we ended up shutting down probably about 10 restaurants um, during that time frame, either because they were in close proximity to another restaurant and we, you know, took the higher performer and kept that restaurant open, you know, closed the other one. And then if there was four performers, we just shut them down and said, we're not, just not going to, have them continue to be open during this time frame. Fortunately, since that time, we've, I think, reopened all but two of them. So, you know, good news there. The other thing we did was, I think, like many people, I mean, we, 
laid off about 75% of our workforce, and that included the corporate office. So we had a, you know, we, we had a lean, mean team here um, of um, employees as well as, you know, our operations people. Even in the restaurants, we did the same thing. I mean, we, we went to one or two managers in every restaurant, and so uh, they were working really hard. Everybody was really working hard. And I think like many of us, the first thing we did <laughs> was we figured out a way to automate the constantly changing of operating hours of restaurants as the states reopened dining or, you know, shut us down or allowed whatever, right? Um, that, that, was, that was huge. I mean, we had to figure out a way to quickly be able to change stores operating hours. So we did that. The other thing that we did um, is that from an executive team perspective and a um, operations uh, director of operations perspective, we, we held daily calls. We, we had daily calls, the entire team got together, we said, what are we dealing with? What do we need to help? What do we need to do? And as a team, we became very tight, very cohesive, and were quickly making decisions um, that needed to be made. As an example, um, you know, like, like you know, the state started um, opening up alcohol, you know, that could be delivered, right? Or, you know, uh, for pickup sales, right? And so we, you know, put in place, you know, okay, you can buy, you know, a six pack or a 12 pack of beer. Um, you know, we put wine in there and we eventually ended up selling bottles of alcohol where we could. So, I mean, those were decisions. Honestly, we had discussed selling alcohol to go um, prior to COVID and continually discussed it and we didn't want to take the risk, right? And so, I mean, we, we literally mulled over that decision for over two years and never made a decision. As soon as you know COVID happened and the states opened it up, bam, we did it. We made the decision, let's go. So, you know, things like that were um, you know, we were very fluid, very quick to react, very quick to um, you know, uh, as we saw technology opportunities, we 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 took advantage of them. One of those was curbside, right? We have uh, a, uh, we partnered with a company. Um, to uh, put curbside apps in place so that we could um, know when the customer got, you know, we could track the customer if they, or they could communicate with us and say, hey, I'm on the way, I'm almost there, I'm in your parking lot so that we could bring the food out to them. Um, and uh, so, yeah, those were, those are primarily our focus areas during, you know, the first part of COVID. So from my notes here, it's a company called Flyby that you use for your curbside stuff, correct? That's correct. Yeah. Are, are you using... Are you, are you using like beacons or is it just literal communication from the guest that they, they hit some type of response on their app or their email that it's getting back to the restaurant? Yeah, they have, they have the app and they just hit a response on that, the restaurant or I'm close or, you know, if they, if they have location services turned on, why I can track them um, and give you that information. The other thing they do, it's kind of nice that actually for every restaurant, they have a picture of the parking lot. So, you know, where the customer has arrived when they've arrived and where they're at in the parking lot. And of course we put up, um, you know, signs for uh, curbside. So we know that they could be in either, you know, um, parking space, number one, two, three, four, whatever. Right. So we quickly, quickly got that up and running and got that out to the restaurants. Now you had talked, you brought up a couple of interesting points earlier. You're talking about um, third party delivery and having all these tablets. Did you eventually um, integrate your th- your delivery service partners into your POS? Yeah, we did. Thanks for the question, Skip, because 
that was another focus area during COVID um, um, because as you can imagine, operationally, that just is not very efficient. Um, so we, so um, Hooters um, has a custom developed point of sale um, that was developed in-house by a previous group. We maintain that. I've got a team of developers. So we took the opportunity, two things. Um, we use Olo for online ordering. And um, so we um, worked with Olo to integrate two of the delivery service providers uh, through uh, Olo Rails. And then uh, the other two, we directly integrated into our point of sale. So we set up the Microsoft Azure services. We've got menus um, sitting up in Azure that we're feeding to the delivery service providers. And um, so we took that time over the last year to totally integrate. So, so we've got, I would say the majority of tablets out of our restaurants now. Um, there, you know, there's still a couple of smaller providers that don't have the capability um, of integration. So for those that are, you know, servicing a particular restaurant, and they're doing a good, you know, portion of business. We we keep the tablet there, but the bigger ones, all of the major players, we have integrated either through our own direct integrations right now or through um, our ordering, you know, online ordering platform through Olo. Did you ever initiate any um, QR code technology um, during that whole process? We did. That was um, one of the first things we did. Um, so we partner with uh, Beerboard for. Um, you know, a couple of different things. And uh, they um, they actually worked with us and created the QR, QR codes for the menus, got them out immediately. We've had them out there ever since. It's been amazing, it's been great. So yeah, we're doing that. But we didn't, we haven't done anything from a, a payment or ordering standpoint, really it's really just viewing the menu at the stores. Sure. Now, I'm just thinking back to a comment that you made earlier about when your uh, head office, you know, you issued out laptops and things like that. Now, I don't know about you, but when March hit and, you know, this whole um, issue with with technology came into play because all of a sudden we found that getting laptops, getting iPads, getting equipment was very difficult. The shipments were coming from China. And those shipments were delayed from transferring it to the U.S. to get it um, cleared through customs to getting it in the hands of developers. Plus, there was this massive new expansion of, of needs of laptops from healthcare workers to um, students that needed to work remotely. I'm assuming you guys probably experienced the same thing. We're still experiencing it. Experiencing it, Skip. Um, honestly, we, we need, we're going to uh, launch, we're trying to automate, you know, everybody has it, right? The red book, or the, we call it the orange book, where basically it's manager logs. And um, that's a, an initiative we literally were working on last year, but really it's going to come to uh, fruition um, here this year. But um, so that automation um, process, we, we want to implement uh, iPads in all the stores. And um, Right now, I can't. Uh, it's really hard to get my hand on 200 laptops or uh, iPads um, because of the backlogs of equipment that's happening all over the place. So, uh, yeah, it, it's it's a problem right now. It still is, and quite frankly, it's not just laptops and iPads. Um, it's also you know printers you know that we use in the restaurants. You know the thermal printers and um, you know POS equipment. All of that. It's um, you know, it's getting better, honestly, but 
Um, it, we, we put a note out to our operations team, look, we know you need to have equipment replaced, but, it, but you know, the worldwide, you know, um, su you know, supply and demand process is broken right now. So, um, you know, please be aware, you know, bear with us and, you know, we're getting equipment as quickly as we can, but it's become, you know, it's, it's been a problem this last year and it still continues to be a problem. So I don't feel so bad. I mean, if you've got problems, no. little old me over at Four Rivers uh, Restaurant Group, um, you know, if, if I'm struggling, I know that there's other people out there struggling as well. Uh, real quick, let's talk about Hoots. Hoots is a, I bet you there's lots of people on this podcast right now that do not know what Hoots is. They know Hooters, but maybe you can talk about Hoots and what it is and where it's going. Oh, it's actually, we call it Hoots Wings. Um, we started it, oh my gosh, a little over a year ago, pre-COVID. And uh, it, at the time, it was known as Hoots Righteous Wings. We've since um, revised our, you know, the, the brand concept, and, and really we're positioning it as the baby Hooters, right? Um, so this is fast, casual, counter service, um, same great wings, a couple of different items. Some of the sandwiches are different, but... Um, uh, really excited, really, really excited about this brand. Um, it's going to be highly franchisable. Uh, during COVID, we've actually opened um, two additional restaurants on uh, the Hooters of America side. One of our franchisees is act has opened three as well. So we have a total of six of them now. Um, we're, um, you know, we finished our FDD and we're in the process of selling, you know, franchises and have a lot, a lot of interest out there. So we're excited about it. Um, we've been able to standardize the technology solutions um, for both company and franchise locations. So, you know, um, many brands struggle with that, especially brands that are, you know, some of the older brands where they've kind of, you know, just grown up and let everybody do their own thing. Um, a lot of brands have um, moved to requiring the entire company, company and franchise restaurants to be on one technology solution, you know, we have the opportunity with Hoots Wings to standardize not only, you know, the store and the layout and all of the um, operational processes and procedures, but also the technology solutions, which quite frankly, you know, from my perspective, um, you know, point of sale should be the same as, you know, uh, as, you know, doing a uh, fryer or, or any other piece of equipment in the restaurant, right? I mean, we have standards and, um, you know, just managing that whole solution set for both company and franchise is uh, much easier than having to figure out how to run brand programs for, you know, different solutions that are out in the environment. So very excited about the concept. Um, it's uh, new, it's fresh, and, um, you know, it's a smaller footprint. It's about typically about 1,500 square feet. Um, so um, really excited about it. I see that exploding and I, 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 you know, a year from now when we're, we get together, hopefully in person at, at the next conference, um, I, I can't wait to hear the story because I mean, it just sounds like it's, it's something that could just take off and just <laughs> totally, um, yeah. you know, be its own, own living, breathing organism. And, um, like you said, it's a smaller footprint. It's easier to set up. It's easier to execute. So, um, kudos yeah. to you on that. Now, you also, you also have some virtual brands, do you not? We do. We do. We have three right now. We have, um, oh, and, and these are in Hooters. Um, so we have Hooties Burger Bar. So about 
this is actually pre-COVID too, um, our um, Uber Eats came to us and um, wanted to partner with us on standing up a virtual brand. And uh, really, you know, the virtual brands were to take advantage of a segment of uh, the industry, you know, like food, like burgers, where that, that um, were, were pretty underserved in a particular market. So we jumped on that bandwagon and um, <clears throat> have been going forward ever since. So we started Hootie's Burger Bar, which is primarily burgers, but you can still order wings and other things on there. But when people are searching for burgers, um, you know, I want a good burger to buy uh, or to order. Um, and so, um, you know, Hootie's Burger Bar comes up. So we have Bar. We have um, bait and tackle, so I don't know if you're aware of, but uh, actually has a great seafood um, menu as well, crab legs and uh, shrimp and fish sandwiches and um, a lot of excellent seafood options. Um, and so we started bait and tackle, which is focused on, on the seafood op options that we sell. And then last but not least, um, we recently just launched Hootie's Chicken Tenders to focus on the chicken tender market. So we're running three virtual concepts within a concept right now. So well, <laughs> lots of fun to keep the menus all correct, right? Um, and uh, in addition, we're also doing catering out of those locations. So we have catering menus that, uh, that we add as well. What I love about those three virtual brands, because I, I know a lot of restaurants out there are looking at launching uh, virtual brands that potentially, you know, they don't normally produce out of their kitchen. Every one of those three brands that you're talking about, you already produce out of your kitchen. All you're doing is you're isolating the menu and creating a new brand around it. So, I mean, it makes super easy for your, for your kitchen to execute, which I think is an amazing strategy. Um, so yeah. yeah, I think that's great. Yeah. And I, I can't, I can't take, you know, the kudos for that one. We have an awesome, uh, senior vice president of what we call food to go. So we have a food to go, a small, but we have a food to go team is what we call it. And so I partner uh, with Mark every single day. I mean, literally we meet as a team twice a week. <laughs> During COVID, we were meeting every day, um, just about. Um, it's not, well, Monday through Friday every day and sometimes on the weekends when we needed to. But um, my team and the food to go team are like, we work side by side. And um, if there's ideas that come from food to go, you know, we work together to implement them. So I give kudos to to Mark on the food to go team because he was the first one that, you know, really worked with Uber on this. And then, you know, we all made it happen. So that was awesome. I'm very curious to hear your opinion on this because if I'm sure you're well aware that all the virtual brands that are coming out, I would have to, uh, you know, I'm just throwing out a number. They say that, um, you know, percentages thrown out in the air are, are complete made up, but I'd have to say 75% of all virtual brands are probably wing brands right now because it seems to be the easiest to produce. Um, what are your thoughts about all these virtual brands and getting their, getting specifically into the wing market? Does that bother you in regards to potential competition? Or are you guys confident that you dominate that market? I think we're, common, we're very confident that we dominate the market, um, especially because, you know, everybody loves our wings, uh, including me, and we have a large variety of wings. So we don't just sell, you know, naked wings or breaded wings. Um, we have roasted wings. We have smoked wings. So we have Daytona wings, right? Um, so, so there's a variety of wings in the Hooters brand and also in Hoots wings as well. 
Um, so feel very confident from, you know, a wing perspective, we're masters at it. From a supply perspective, that's what concerns me, right? Everybody's jumping on the, on the, um, the chicken wing right. band. And, and I, I think we talked earlier, we, there was that news article that came out yesterday or the day before about possible chicken wing shortage. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, and with COVID, you know, there's been a number of chicken wing plants that have had to, you know, close down because, you know, employees getting COVID and they can't run the operation. So, you know, so we've got not only people jumping on the virtual band, you know, wagon uh, for wings, but also, you know, you've got issues with the, um, you know, the, the chicken suppliers that they're having to deal with with COVID. And you know, I think there's one plant that's shutting down or they've got a problem. I don't know. There's something in that area as well. You know, I got to tell you, Skip, that um, a few years ago, do you remember when McDonald's um, was testing wings in their location? I do not remember that. No. This was, so I was at Buffalo Wild Wings at the time. And I got to tell you, that scared the crap out of us um, because, excuse my language. <laughs> so, um, because, you know, McDonald's is huge. And if they could have pulled that off, can you imagine what would happen to the uh, chicken wing supply in the United States? Right. That's what scared us. Yeah. But because, they were primarily drive-through. Um, the you know the make times for chicken wings, the fry times were just too big for them, and they and they backed away. But if they figure it out, you know that could be that could be huge. You know that could be a huge issue. You're talking about all the different types of wings that you had. You said you had Daytona wings. So we have a location over in Daytona Beach. Um, by the time this show airs, the Daytona 500 would have already have happened. I mean, we have, we, Four Rivers has a location right across the street from the racetrack, which it's an unbelievable amount of business that we do during that time. But is, are the Daytona wings only available in Daytona and what makes them different? No, every restaurant um, uh, has them. Um, They're a, um, they're a, uh, oh my gosh, a roasted wing with Daytona, a special Daytona sauce on them. So, um, yeah, they're just, uh, they're less calories than, of course, your fried wings, and um, they just have a great sauce on them. So I guess the Daytona sauce came from something probably that was concocted at <laughs> as part of the Daytona 500. I don't know. Honestly, I'll I, have to look up that history. <laughs> I, yeah, I'd love to know the history behind why they call it Daytona wings, because um, it, it's, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm now going to have to go, you know, I'm going to have to make a trip over to, um, actually, I have locations closer to me to Daytona, but um, I might as well go over there and just experience real Daytona wings at Daytona. Um, We had talked about one time in regards to your call center. And I think you had mentioned that you had, uh, you you started looking at reinventing, you know, your whole communications piece. You guys use Sync 3, if I'm not mistaken, correct? We do, yes. So maybe you can, I I've had a lot of people reach out to me, um, including in my last job. You know, Sync3 was recommended to us. We did a lot of research on them. Maybe you can give me your feedback in regards to what you think of them and, and what they can really do for your company. Okay, great. Yeah, uh, Skip, they're a fantastic partner. They really are. Um, they've been around for for a while, actually. They weren't, they, and I don't remember, but they had a previous name. I think the two companies merged and they came out of Sync3. But um we had them in about 44 restaurants up until um, COVID hit. And um, we um, were trying to make a decision on whether to roll them out to the rest of the brand and kind of were going back and forth on that. And then when COVID hit, you know, when we started ramping back 
when COVID hit and when we started ramping back up, um, you know, trying to make sure that the operations teams could focus on, you know, the in-store customer, it made total sense to start flipping over, you know, the calls to Sync3. And the way that Sync3 works is um, they, well, for us, we use Olo as an, our online ordering system and they, um, Olo has a product called Switchboard. So literally the agents are placing the orders through our online ordering system through Olo. And then they're fed directly to our stores through our API. So um, we've now transitioned all of our stores, including Hootswing, over to Sync3 because just to take those calls out of the stores. Now, this customer can still get to the store if they need to, um, but um, you know, for the most part, if they're, you know, we we ask that, you know, we are, we have a message out there that says, hey, do you know you can order online? You know, go to you know Hooters.com or Hootswings.com. If you'd like to place an order, you know, press, you know, two. Um, and so then the call center picks up. They've been awesome. Um, you know, they've been extremely helpful, especially in these trying times. And um, we now have them in all of our restaurants. From what I'm, my understanding is their call center picks up, but when they do that, they have your system, your menu in front of them, and they can actually place the order for the guest, correct? That is correct. That's what they do. Yep. Beautiful. Do they do they take the time to learn the vernacular of your of your organization? Maybe your your organization might not be as unique as you know some of them out there. Like a like a um, um, oh gosh, what am I thinking of? I'm thinking of um, um, like White Castle, where it's you know they have very strange names for stuff. Do, does Sync Three actually take the time to really become part of your organization? They do, and I will tell you, one of the things where there's another technology we're uh, testing with them is um, a voice automated system, you know, using bots. So um, so in that one in particular, and, and actually Mark in Food to Go and myself, we were, we were the ones that were testing the system and um, along with them. And yeah, you know, we had, they had to, you know, learn a lot of, you know, quite frankly, it was more about our menu than it was about the brand, but uh, that was that was pretty interesting. So, um, you know, we started a test with them on that. We'll see where it goes because um, obviously the bot has to continue learning. But um, yeah, I mean, they they learn our business, they learn our menu for the most part, really. Um, and then um, you know they're they're supporting us really well. That's awesome to hear. And Karen, as we close things out here, you've given us such great information, but. I have some very last minute um, questions for you that are probably the most important of the, our entire conversation. And it's a little section which I call this or that. So I'm going to hit you up with, with two options. First, first answer that comes to your mind. Give me your answer. Are you ready? Sure. Stuffed mushrooms or stuffed jalapenos? Jalapenos. Oh, Nice. I'm uh so you like hot food? You like spicy food? I do, yeah. Nice, me too. My 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 favorite wing at Hooters is the habanero barbecue. Love it. That's my favorite one. Well, I don't want to go that hot, right? But uh, mine is spicy garlic, which spicy. is pretty hot. I okay, think. very good. Pancakes or waffles? Waffles. Waffles. Doritos or Cheetos? Eh, Doritos. That was a hard choice. Yeah, because <laughs> are you not a chip person? No, you know, uh, I, I, I've moved away from chips and crackers and all that. (laughs) (laughs) 
well, that's the problem of working in the restaurant industry. We have access to such good food that some of the questions that I ask, you know, are like, oh, I don't eat that. I, I eat our own food. It's, it's better. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Next question. Root beer or ginger ale? Root beer. Root beer. And last question, M&M's or Skittles? M&M's for sure. All right. Yeah. Especially the green M&M's, right? <laughs> yeah, as long as they're chocolate. <laughs> yeah. If I'm joining a new job, you know, I joke with them, hey, when I arrive, I need a, I need a bowl of green M&M's sitting on my desk. <laughs> now if i'm not mistaken this is the i think you told me this is the first time you've ever been on a podcast is that correct that is correct oh, i am truly honored you chose the tech chef to be your first because you are truly a superstar and karen thank you so much for everything you do for the industry i mean when we go to a conference you're always on a panel you're always talking about technology and you really bring great insight to all of us that are sitting in the audience. And once again, you're truly a rock star and I'm honored that you came on the show today to talk about what you do, what you're up to and how you're changing the industry. So thank you so much, Karen. Oh, you're very welcome, Skip. And thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. And um, you know, you were fun. So that's great. (laughs) Karen, that was awesome. I know the industry is always on the edge of their seats to find out what Hooters is going to be doing next. It is such a successful chain, and you are a huge part of that. Remember, you can always reach out to me via everything social at Skip Kimple if you have any questions about this show or for any of my guests. This includes Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, And if you want to go to skipkimple.com, you can find all the show notes for this show and all of the other shows that I've ever posted. You can also leave a comment by calling 954-302-0851. As always, next week, we have another great show lined up for you. You will have to watch your social media channels to find out who our surprise guest is going to be. So in the meantime, please... Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay hungry, my friends.